Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And with me today, Kimberly Majeski. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm good. You know, Kimberly, I'm very excited, and I think you are too, about a new series we begin this week on Viewpoint. It's called The Present Future, Mm -hmm. and it's based on a book. The author of this book is... Reggie McNeil. Reggie McNeil. He's a guy from the Southern Baptist Convention. Mm -hmm. He was a church planter, had a lot of success as a pastor shepherd out in Texas. But then he began to think and wonder about how we raise up new church leaders and so on. Somehow the Lord anointed him, I think, to look at the world beyond the church and understand how the church was functioning. As he thought about leadership development, he started to think about who is it that we're going to lead and how the generational shifts in our culture are affecting the world around us and how that might affect ministry. All this to say, he wrote this book called The Present Future, and it's a great, great read. And we want to acknowledge right up front that a lot of what we're going to share has been inspired or provoked or stoked up by Reggie McNeil in this book. We want you to find this as a good read too, and we'd be so glad to put a copy of this book in your hands. Kimberly, if somebody wanted to contact us to get a copy of the book, where would they go first? You could go online at cbhviewpoint.org. Send us a message, and we'll make sure you get the resource in your hand. Absolutely. You could also just call us up, pick up your phone, and dial this number toll-free, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Even in the wee hours of the morning, you want to copy this book, give us a call, or just write us a letter. You can address it to me, Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But by whatever method you choose, we'll make sure you get a copy of the book. It is a great, fun, easy, challenging, and stretching read all mm-hmm. at once. And uh, we're so glad that you're alongside today. And don't worry, we'll give you these contact points at the end of our broadcast also. But Kimberly, as we think about the present future and the idea is that the world around us, the world around the church has already moved into the future. It's already present. (laughs) Yes. We just sometimes live in a church cocoon and we're not aware of how the world has changed. Passing us by. And as we think about how do we address a world that is changing so exponentially, Mm -hmm. so rapidly, when we come back, Let's dive into the scripture and just read a little bit about Jesus' own statement into his world, and we think our own as well. As we're thinking about the present future, that the future is already here, there are some things that are timeless and never change. And the Word of God is one of those. So to anchor our thoughts about facing the future, we want to run to the Word. And today, Kimberly, if you'll pull up Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 16, and then read through the 21st verse, these are words that Jesus quoted. It's a story of Jesus Mm -hmm. going back to his hometown and how he kind of stands up early in his ministry and he says, this is who I am. This is what I came to do. This is what I'm about. And I think that's going to help us unlock our own future as well. Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went, as is usual, to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. And all the eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. And then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard 
has been fulfilled this very day. Hold on to that last line. The scripture we've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. I would never be considered as someone who understands and uses a lot of technological gadgets. Hi, this is Jennifer Wilson. However, I do own a cell phone and have found it quite useful when traveling or going about my day. I can call others. I can also be reached. You know, cell phones are in every country around the world. And these days, with so many people on the go, we find there are many mobile moments, times when you're in the most unlikely places and you're able to find connection. Mobile moments can happen even without technological gadgetry. No matter where you are, if you're on the go, you can always connect to God in prayer. The Bible tells us about a prophet in Jeremiah 33 who was confined in the courtyard of the guard under arrest, yet Jeremiah was able to get reception no matter where he was. And the Lord said to him, Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Jeremiah had a mobile moment with God, and you can too. No matter where you are today, confined or free, you can be reached. Call to God, and He will answer. Kimberly, as we think about the world changing around us, there are some really important implications for the church world, of Mm -hmm. which you and I are both a part. Right. For instance, can you just put your arms around this statistic? 80% of all the money given to churches today in the United States and Canada is given by people who are 55 years or older. Unbelievable. What that means is, (laughs) as those people grow older, they find themselves in retirement on reduced incomes, Mm -hmm. as they find themselves passing from this world to the next, unless something radically changes Mm -hmm. in the way in which church ministry is underwritten financially, the whole thing is going to pass away. That's right. The world around us is so different today than it was just a decade ago Mm -hmm. or a generation ago, and certainly two or three generations Mm -hmm. ago. And we don't always appreciate how rapidly it's changed, but it seems to me that the pace of change keeps accelerating. So things even just a couple years ago that I thought, well, that could never happen, are actually now commonplace. Jim, you know, I'm a young, vibrant female. Yes, you are. All (laughs) of those, all of that. And I can tell you that when I was in college, the internet did not exist. Can you imagine? I mean, of course you can imagine. (laughs) Oh, you age a dinosaur. (laughs) Young and and vibrant as you are too, you know, just to think about just since I graduated college in the 90s, this entire new phenomena that has taken over the way that we understand the world, the way we communicate, and the way we go about our daily lives, completely different. Well, and I grew up with Bill Gates, honestly, in Seattle, I did, in the same neighborhood. And, you know, Gates' dramatic genius was that everybody would have a computer at home. When he came up with that, people thought, that's preposterous. But (laughs) Windows 95, back in 1995, that changed everything because it made computing accessible to everyone. So now we have this whole universe. But you know what, Kimberly, there's been another big sweeping change, and it's not just about desktops. Those are passing away. Right. The smartphone, the handheld device. You and I both have ours here. That's right. Uh, The the tablet, Mm -hmm. uh, these hybrids between a desktop and a laptop and a phone. I mean, all of that is rapidly changing 
the reality that people are functioning and living differently. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to passing the offering plate in church, for instance, people are not carrying cash anymore. They're not writing checks anymore. In fact, just in the last 10 years, think about this. 10 years ago, 61% of all bills paid in the United States were paid with a handwritten check. Wow. This year, 26%. Right, yeah. You and I probably both pay a lot of yeah. our bills online. Of I don't course do we anything do. So check, yeah. when it comes to going out, you don't just slap cash down to the table. <laughs> now, people in a certain demographic of an older age do, but younger and younger generations don't even carry cash. Right, no. Go to a Starbucks and watch people buy things with their phone. Your card, yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of a, a symptom of the way things are changing, but the values of what we might call the church culture, a secular culture in North America that was actually defined by church-held values, that is also passing away. Think about uh, same-sex marriage, Mm -hmm. the the redefinition of marriage. Mm -hmm. We're not here to argue these cases. I'm just here acknowledging that a few years ago, nobody could have imagined that legally the definition of marriage would be so quickly and rapidly redrawn. Mm -hmm. And of course, it opens the door to all other kinds of definitions of marriage too, beyond just same-gendered partnerships. I love what you say, Jim, about acknowledging. So important for the church to acknowledge that this is the reality of the world in which we live. Do you know there's a new congresswoman from Hawaii mm-hmm. uh, just took her oath of office and to the Congress. Her name is Tulsi Gabbard. She represents the second congressional district in Hawaii. This gal is very bright. If you Google her up, you're going to be impressed. She's a veteran of the Iraq War. She has been a state lawmaker in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. She is bright. She's able. She has a strong ethical value system, but she is a practicing Hindu. So she took her oath of office, not on Lincoln's Bible, as did the president this year, mm-hmm but on a copy of the Hindu holy books. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are sacred Vedas, they're called, right, right. in the Hindu pantheon. And mm-hmm. she has one of those five Vedas that she really appreciates and feels like has spoken into her life. Again, that's just a new day. Our right. culture is much more diverse. People do not always have the same background, the same knowledge, the same cultural crucible that the country once did. All of this is just evidence that the world is changing. And what do we do about it? Mm-hmm. Churches go into denial. Right. I mean, sometimes we just don't want to face the reality that the world outside is no longer affirming or embracing or even being addressed by the values we take for granted. We were talking a little before, Jim, I was speaking about uh, the Pharisees this morning to a class, talking about how, uh, how zealous they were, how, how separatist, how important it was for the Pharisees to eat together, to study together, to read together, to write together, to reflect together, and to come away together. And while there were benefits of that kind of life, there were also downfalls. And one of the downfalls of a life that is so insulated like that is you lose all touch with the outside world. You then can't speak to it. We develop our own language mm-hmm. that is not understood beyond our own group. Yeah. And that can happen in church life. And, and does. And in a world that's changing so rapidly, it's tempting to just want to kind of bolt the doors and mm-hmm. let's make sure that our light is not extinguished in the room in which we're sitting mm-hmm. and the world Keep around safe. us, we're just not going to be able to do much about it. So mm-hmm. let's protect ourselves. Another way in which the church has responded is we get frustrated because mm-hmm. the world's changing, but we express our frustration by becoming carnivores of each other. Mm-hmm. So we have all kinds of knockdown, down drag-out arguments in church about 
small things by heaven's <laughs> measure, I think. The methodology of worship, where oh, the parking lot should be, mm-hmm. what are the service times, uh, who should dress up, mm-hmm. can women wear pants? I mean, all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. becomes fodder for our frustration. Mm-hmm. But it's another way of kind of isolating us from the reality of the world changing around us. Sometimes we want to flex our political muscle. I know, let's organize the church to go out and have a petition or create an initiative to stop the world Mm -hmm. from moving as it's moving. Mm -hmm. But in the end, I think we've learned that all the petitions and all the political action committees and all the rest, while they might have a place in our democracy as an instrument of the gospel, not so effective. Not so effective. And then sometimes we just want to maintain our present course and... Imagine that sooner or later the world will come to its senses. <laughs> They'll finally wake up <laughs> and realize up. this has been a bad dream. Let's all go back to Sunday school. <laughs> but none of these approaches is really going to take us very far. Mm-mm. What is the question we should be asking in a world where non religious, what did you call them in a survey? The nuns. The nuns, N-O-N-E. people who have mm-hmm. no religion. Mm-hmm. That is the fastest growing segment of the American public yep. in every survey, whether it be secularly or religiously framed. What do we do? What question should we ask when a very statistically sound sample of 5,200 people was taken about being born again and what that meant and mm-hmm. could people be defined as born again? And you know what the outcomes were? People who were born before 1946, mm-hmm. before 1946, 65% of those respondents They understood the concepts of being born again. It was a vocabulary they comprehended and would say they had some kind of experience Mm -hmm. religiously with Jesus in that way. uh But when you get down to people born after 1976, Mm -hmm. 4%. Uh That's a huge change up. And what about those that have been born since 1990 or since the year 2000? Uh What's the right question? The wrong question? How do we do church better? Mm Mm-hmm. How do we zhuzh up things so that we can draw more people in the door? More bells and be whistles. A, right, become be a part of what we're doing over here because this is the way it needs to be done. And sometimes we're really just building higher walls. Mm-hmm. We respond to this change up and we think, you know what, let's create a church that's more exciting, more interesting. It's kind of like the theme park adventure. Mm-hmm. Bring people out of the world into the magic kingdom mm-hmm. where they'll sing our songs, read our books, and be immersed in who we are mm-hmm. as if somehow that's actually going to change right. the world. But I'm afraid <laughs> that's a bit of a fantasy land of itself. It is a fantasy now, land. Now, some churches react at the other end of the scale, and they say the only way we're going to respond to this world is to actually sell out mm-hmm. to the changes in our culture. So we'll just simply embrace what the world says is normal, what the world embraces, and we'll make that our mantra too. But of course, that's a terrible compromise, Mm -hmm. and I think leads us to all kinds of mischief. The better question, how do we move from churchianity to Christianity? How do we move past the protection and development of our institution and move to developing followers of Christ? We want to make it clear. We believe the church has a bright future. The church is not in danger, but the institutional framework of cultural church Mm -hmm. is in grave danger. And our emphasis can't be on churchianity, it has to be on Christianity. And when we come back, Kimberly, that will bring us right back to the text you gave us at the beginning. Mm -hmm. What did Jesus say?
Kimberly, you gave us the words of Jesus as we opened our program mm-hmm. today. He stood up in Nazareth, his hometown. You know, when you go back home and you say, this is who I am, that's an important marker. Uh-huh. And I think he, by design, went home mm-hmm. to the place where he'd been raised up to make it clear This is my mission. People had all kinds of expectations for him, and he wanted to speak for himself. And he took the prophet Isaiah, and what we would call chapter 61, the scroll he was handed probably was not divided into chapters as we do now, but it's equivalent to our Isaiah 61. Mm -hmm. And he gave us this phenomenal lesson. First up, he said, the Spirit is on me. Mm -hmm. What I love about this, Jim, I I think I know where you're going, but uh, I notice you called Jesus, told us his mission. And uh, for people like me who study this passage and, and then how it works in the context of the Gospel of Luke and then into Acts, what's beautiful about this passage is Jesus tells us what he's going to do, what he came to do, and you can literally watch him through the Gospel of Luke doing exactly what he enunciated in this moment in Nazareth, in the synagogue, the way that he told us he was going to do it and what he told us he was going to do. That is what takes up the time and space of his life on this earth. Exactly. It's his inaugural address, so to speak. And now he's going to deliver. He brings those words to life. And he does it, first of all, because he understands the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think all of us, as we face this brave new world, we have to be sure that we are also immersed in the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And for everyone listening today, I want you to know the Holy Spirit is a promise to you from God. As you surrender your life into the following of Jesus, as you surrender your life into the forgiveness of your sin by the work of Jesus on the cross, also open your heart and allow God to flood you with his spirit, because that can help you see and do things that by your human nature you would not see and would not do. And with that in mind, Jesus says, front up, the spirit is on me. Why? Because I'm going to proclaim good news to the poor. Mm -hmm. I'm here about bringing hope. Mm And Kimberly, in this world, no matter where the world goes, no matter how it spins, no matter what laws are passed or not passed, our world needs hope. Mm-hmm. Hope is always the currency of heaven. And we are not here to bring judgment. Mm-hmm. We're here to bring hope. Mm-hmm. Jesus spoke into the lives of the poor. And I think by the poor, he meant right. the disadvantaged mm-hmm. in this world, not not just spiritually poor, though that's encompassed by it, but people who are literally economically and politically disadvantaged, the people pushed away to the side. He spoke hope to them. We must do the same. That will always be relevant. It will always be a winner. And it's always the work of the Spirit. You know, Jim, I think that uh, it's important to say here too, in Jesus' time, the majority of the people are in poverty right? So it's important. Jesus is speaking to the culture. He's speaking to the people in need. In our day, in our time, just by virtue of living in this country, we're among the wealthiest 8% of the world's population. So this, this responsibility, good news to the poor, still resides with us. And it does. And we're still residents of this larger world. Mm-hmm. And we have a responsibility to not run away from or turn away from, but to go towards the poor and to speak hope. And we're here, Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's that's, right. that's this ministry. Mm-hmm. Wherever you are in life today, whatever your challenge, we're here to tell you, as long as God is on the throne, there is hope for a better day for you. Just receive that and own it. Next up, Jesus said, I'm here also to help blind people see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to open up eyes. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a terrific call for all of us. And again, always relevant in every generation 
to help people see beyond what they know, Mm -hmm. to stretch the horizons, to see the world from heaven's view. It's not just about what you feel with your physical senses. It's not just what you can take in with your physical eyes. It's about understanding the spiritual dynamics and how they work within this physical realm. This concept of helping people to see, to see a loving heavenly father whose plans and purposes are good and whose power is to redeem. And to see that God in his gospel is about the reclamation of the world. It's not about surrendering anybody or anything into the devil's grasp. Open up your eyes. Jesus came to help us see this. Mm and to set captives free. Yes, Jim, the word, the Hebrew word for freedom, for deliverance, for salvation is Yeshua. Jesus is freedom. To be saved. Mm -hmm. And we have literal slavery in our world still today. Sometimes we forget that. But I know, Kimberly, you have a heart and a passion Mm -hmm. engaged in ministries Mm -hmm. to help liberate young women who have been drawn into the trafficking of their bodies. It's a slavery. And Jesus is about delivering freedom to those kinds of scenarios, of course. He's also, though, about delivering freedom to us from our lower natures, from that which is base and mean. All of us have some of that going on. That's right. And he's in the business of elevating our nature, remaking our nature, and redeeming our nature. Mm -hmm. He wants to set us free so that I don't have to walk in shame and don't always feel like I'm going to make the wrong choice, so I don't have to kick myself over and over again. He wants to pick us up and set us on the right path to life, wherever you are again today. I want you to have hope. I want you to see that God is working for you, and he's in the business of setting you free. That is what we should be doing. That is Christianity. Mm -hmm. And our focus and our ambition is to bring people to that. And Jesus, as he read these words, he said, you know what? Today, this is happening right in front of your Mm -hmm. eyes. Because as he stood there, and spoke the words, the very presence and persona of Jesus was filling that room. And even as he spoke that, then we speak it now. Today, as you are listening to this, it is coming to pass. Right here, right now, in your room, in your world, in your car, wherever you are. Receive it. Bow before God. Surrender into the love and the embrace and the grace of Jesus Christ the Lord and see what can happen. You can take a step that way right now by praying with us. God is here. He's listening. He knows your name. He knows your challenges. He knows your past. He knows your present. And yes, he knows your future already. Pray with us. Our Father, we're so thankful that you are loving and good and kind and that you are also able and powerful. We're thankful for your son, Jesus, who came into the world. And we know, Lord, that the world is always changing Nations rise and fall, cultures come and go. Human reason frames and reframes. But your word, your righteousness, your holiness, your love, your grace and forgiveness never change. May we be instruments, Lord, of that in this world today. May we be focused on Christianity with Christ at the center, not so much about our institutions, not so much about our buildings, but about speaking into people's lives in a way that can redeem and reclaim them for Jesus' sake. And for anyone praying with us today, Lord, who may be wondering if they have hope, if they could be set free, if they can actually see, help them to know right now as they confess their sin to you and just acknowledge their desperate need, as they now humble themselves before you and open their hearts to you, that they also 
can have an intersection with Jesus who will bring these words to life in them beginning now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have prayed with us, if you've even listened this far, reach out and let us hear from you. We do want to give you a copy of The Present Future. You'll find it a very exciting and wonderful read. Even if you don't want the book, call us up. Let us talk to you about how God can work in your life. 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are by the phone. Call us up. Or visit us online at cbhviewpoint.org. Send us a message and we'll reply. Or write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint. Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. By whatever method you choose, we want to hear from you. We'd love to come alongside and encourage you. And yes, we'll get you a copy of this book, The Present Future. Kimberly Majeski, always glad to be in the studio with you. Good to be here, Jim. Enjoy this conversation. Thanks for bringing to the table so much context and history and knowledge of the Hebrew. We're so glad to have you alongside. And we're so glad that you tuned in too. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll be with us again next week as we take you farther into the present future. For everyone at the Viewpoint Ministry team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.